I am uh, excited about next week. I know it's next week, and this is this week. Just real quickly, next week we're starting uh, the Christmas season off. And you say, well, it's already started for me. True, some of you already got your decorations up probably, and the church is already decorated. But we're going to start with a bang here. And uh, so next Sunday, we're going to start, not only are we starting a new series, but we're also going to have a Christmas party where we all come together and celebrate with each other. And we're going to do it right after service. Bring your favorite soup, wear your ugliest sweater, and get a selfie made for your, for your Christmas cards this year. It's just going to be a great time, great fun. Bring friends and family with you. And uh, let's pack this place out and just believe that God's going to have a wonderful holiday season. Amen? But today we're concluding this series on money. Man, has, has, has the atmosphere just been amazing in here? This is the thankful season, and we're going to talk about gratitude today. We're going to talk about some being thankful for what God has done in us. Uh, but we've taken the time each week to look at what the Bible says about earning money, saving money, spending money. And today, this is not any different. We want to look at giving money. And first, I want you to understand that I'm not preaching this sermon because I need your money I'm also not preaching this sermon because God needs your money. Uh, I said it several times during this, during this series, and it, it, it's really not ours anyway, right? The money, nothing that we have is ours. God owns everything. But the reason I'm teaching you what God's Word says about money is because I believe that God wants to bless you. Amen? How many wants all the blessings that God has to give? Amen. I want every single one of them. I just want a big bucket or however, whatever I can hold them all with. I want every little blessing that I can get, big, small, little, it doesn't matter. I want everything that God wants to pour out upon me. And I believe that God wants to do that to you as well. I believe that God wants to bless you in ways that you cannot even imagine, but you have to understand what God says about money in order for you to fully understand what it takes to be blessed abundantly. Amen? So we're going to conclude this series today, and many of you, you remember the flood that occurred in Fort Smith several years ago, right? It was known, it's been called the 100-year flood and, I, I, you know, we saw water flowing into areas of Fort Smith that, that many, if not all of us, haven't experienced in our lifetime. I mean, it just, it went everywhere. And, and there was uh, water everywhere along the river and even past the river. And, uh, you know, there were millions of dollars in damages done to homes in the area. And we're still trying to recover from the effects of that flood. And some that we have to understand, and I think you know from the experience that we all had here, is when water has no place to go, it can be destructive, right? Everybody agree with me? When water has no place to go, it can be destructive. Water continues to accumulate and rise, and with nowhere to go, it floods homes and businesses, and it can even take lives. But water can provide nutrients as well for growing crops feeding livestock, and producing life and fruit. Water needs to overflow in healthy ways, right? And so understanding that about water, understand that our money 
is much the same. Money is very similar. Just as a lot of water can be used to produce life or destroy it, so can money. When money is worshipped, it becomes blocked up and hoarded, resulting in greed. But when we allow it to overflow where it is needed, the result of that generosity, it's fruit and it's life and it's growth. And when money is not allowed to go anywhere, it can result in damage to our heart and a withholding a blessing from others. Amen? And the amazing thing is, when money is allowed to overflow in healthy ways, just like floodwaters, there's always more than enough. Amen? Do you hear me? When money flows in healthy ways, there's more than enough. Scripture tells us that our Father who is in heaven owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of cows. <laughs> and, and, and so if I look at that, I can see that God owns everything and there is a, a plenty of supply. And this is what the practice of giving does in comparison to worshiping money. Now, look at what Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7, just real quickly. This is not my text, but I want to get this started. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? And if you want to worship God instead of money and enter into this journey of overflowing generosity, the, bless, the best place to start is with gratitude. We've been talking about Thanksgiving, right? All this week we've been celebrating Thanksgiving. Did anybody get full Thursday? Did you eat your fill of turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and green beans and... Pecan pie, oh, hallelujah, pecan pie, right? And all the other glorious and good things that come during Thanksgiving, you have let that gratitude well up in your heart. And think about those spring rains that came down to create that flood a few years back. The water started to rise, and we must let gratitude well up in our hearts in much the same way. Gratitude is a form of worshiping God. Do you hear me? Gratitude is a form of worshiping God, focusing on our stuff. We all have lots of stuff, don't we? We have lots of stuff. Come see my garage. I got lots of stuff. Look up in my attic. I got lots of stuff. In all my rooms, I've got stuff everywhere. Does anybody hear me? We have stuff everywhere, right? And so when we see those things, the blessings that we have, those things that we feel that God has given us, he's given us the abilities, he's done all these things, these wonderful things that allows us to accumulate stuff as long as we don't worship it. But when we focus on our stuff, or even not even the stuff, but the lack thereof, right? How many of us get trapped in that? Well, I just wish I had this. Or I just wish I had that. Or I wish I had more of this or more of that. Do you hear me? We can get caught up in that as well. When we allow those things to get involved in our life and we begin 
focusing on our stuff or lack of stuff, that's also a form of worship. It's a form of worshiping material wealth. And that's why gratitude is so powerful. It breaks the power of negativity and selfishness and it stops the downward spiral and it starts to lift you up. We have to break that and we have to have a heart of gratitude. Thanksgiving's a holiday of gratitude. Begin this week by practicing giving thanks. Learn how to give thanks. Uh, don't just use the holiday as a time to give thanks. We need to give thanks all the time. Every day, give thanks to God for all that he's done. Wake up in the morning thanking God for at least three things in your life. Start there. Wrap your mind around the great things of God. Move past a mind of greed and open up to a mind of generosity and gratitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work amen God has blessed each of us abundantly and he supplied our need don't be an ungrateful recipient if you're going to overflow with generosity we have to start with giving thanks next we give God our trust and part of giving thanks to God is Placing our trust in God's hands, trusting God. There are two principles that I'm going to share with you this morning that you have to understand in order to fully trust God with your money. For most people, it's easy to trust God fully with everything in their life except their money. And when you tithe, it's an act of faith. The first principle that you have to understand is this. The first principle. That's easy, isn't it? The first principle. One you have to understand is the first principle. Look at Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God's telling us that he has blessings waiting for us the sad thing is we miss out on those blessings because we don't give our tithe we keep them to ourselves God doesn't just want a tithe but he wants the first tithe do you hear me he wants the first tithe if you have your bibles go with me to exodus chapter 13 we're going to talk about the first remember this is the first principle exodus chapter 13 some of you may be thinking, why, why do we tithe? Why do we give the first 10%? Why? And all these things. I'm hoping to answer these questions for you today and let you understand more about the blessings that God has for us. Exodus chapter 13. I want to begin reading at verse 2, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 12. Exodus 13, verse 2. It says this, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Understand this is God speaking. Okay? Go down to verse 12. He says, If you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, I want you to understand this. There are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer. 
That's a lot, isn't it? And there's nearly 500 verses concerning faith. But did you know that there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions? Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. Therefore, from the Bible's standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. Why? Because money is a test from God. How many like tests? No, I don't either. But every time we go to, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but every time we go to give, there's a test, and we'll talk about that. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. It directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience in life. The first principle you must grasp if you are to understand giving is the principle of the first fruits. It can also be called the principle of the firstborn or the tithe, and I have simply called this principle the first principle god was very clear to the child of israel when he said in exodus 13 2 consecrate to me every firstborn male the first offspring of every womb among the israelites belongs to me whether human or animal god wants the first amen everything is god's god owns it all so when he gives it to you he's just asking for the first to be brought back to him and there are only two choices for the first it must be sacrificed or it must be redeemed if an animal was clean you had to sacrifice it and if an animal was unclean you had to redeem it with a clean animal there was no third option you either had to sacrifice it or you had to redeem it. God was testing them to see if they would sacrifice the clean animal. And later in the Gospels, you can see why this was so important to God. And all of us are sinners, right? Bible says we were all born unclean. That's what the Bible says. But God sent his son, Jesus, the spotless lamb, the clean animal to this earth. Jesus is God's only son. He sent him here to be the sacrifice for us, the unclean, us who are unclean. He sends the clean, the clean, which is Jesus, had to be sacrificed so the unclean, you and I, could be redeemed. Jesus was God's tithe. Do you hear me? That's why tithing and giving is so important to God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait to see if we would clean up. You hear what I'm saying? He gave his son first in faith, believing for a return. Jesus was God's tithe. He was his first. That is why the tithe being the first is so important to God. If you give it last, there's no faith in that. If you give your tithe first, then you're believing that God is going to take care of the rest. And if you give it first, then it is clean. Now think about it this way. Any first thing given is never lost, and any first thing not given is always lost. In other words, what we give to God, we don't lose because God redeems it for us. Amen? But what we withhold from God, we will lose. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will 
find it. The first belongs to God in everything that we do, not just in our finances, but in everything. If you want God to redeem everything that we do, then we will give him the first of everything that we do. Amen? Why do we have church on the first day of the week and not the seventh? Because we want to give God the first day so that he can redeem the rest of the week. Amen? The first portion is the redemptive portion. And when the first, excuse me, and when the first portion is given to God, the rest is redeemed. That's why tithing is so important. It's the primary way we acknowledge that God is first in our life. And when we give the first portion of our money to God, we're saying to God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life. And I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. And not only does God want the first, but he wants the first of the first. You say, well now, pastor, you're getting kind of confusing. Let me explain that. The first of the first. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. This means God wants the first of your first fruits, not the last of your first fruits. It's not the tenth portion of your first fruits. It's the first portion of your first fruits. Now, I don't know, notice that all this, now notice that this verse, it tells you where to bring it. It says to the house of the Lord your God. It doesn't say to give to missions or to a TV preacher or to an evangelist that's passing through town, nor does it say to give the first of your first fruits to wherever you want. It says to bring them to the house of the Lord. And we must always give the Lord's house first. No matter how your increase comes, you're to give God the first portion of that increase the second principle that i want goes along with everything i know i went through the first kind of quick but the first principle is called the first principle and the second principle that i want to talk to you about this morning is called the test principle turn with me to malachi chapter three i'm going to read several verses from this chapter to you this morning and then i'm going to sum all this up malachi chapter three verse six he says, I, the Lord, do not change. How many agree that? You agree that God does not change? I do. God's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So, in other words, whether you agree with Old Testament or just a New Testament believer or wherever you're falling in the middle, I want you to understand God says, I do not change. He says, it doesn't matter from the beginning to the end. I've always been the same. So, So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And then God asks a question, will a mere mortal rob God? And he says, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then God replies, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I asked you this question earlier, how many of you want to be blessed? I want to be blessed, amen? How many of you know that God does not change? We just talked about that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this passage, Malachi is giving a message to the nation of Israel concerning obedience towards God. The people were neglecting their tithes. They had basically stopped giving. And as Malachi puts it, they have gone away from my ordinances God was calling the people to return to him, and he will return back to them. So think about everything that has happened to them by this time. Think about the Israelites for just a moment. They have gone into exile and have returned. They have rebuilt the temple. They have rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem, and they are still not following God the way that he has asked them to. God is at a point that he is speaking to Malachi, the last prophet to speak to the people before God goes silent. God is basically done. He's through, okay? This is God's final plea with his people. And God tells them, because you have robbed me in tithes and offerings, you are cursed. And I want you to understand, we live in a cursed world, and he wants to pull us out of that curse, that we have to be co- but we have to be cooperative by giving our tithe. And when we don't give our tithes and offerings, we are cursing our finances. How can you ever get financial relief when your finances are cursed? When you give your money to everyone else but to God, you're cursing your finances. If you're struggling financially and you haven't experienced a raise lately and you have moved from job to job, think to yourself and ask, have I been faithful with my tithes to God? You know, we treat our tithes like it is something extra that we give. We make sure that we have our entertainment and we make sure that we pay the bills and let's not forget about the TV and the internet and if I have something left over, then I'll give it to the church. If that is how you think about it, then don't ever expect to get out of financial trouble. You're cursing yourself by not giving God his tithe. Every time you get paid, you're being tested by God. This is the test principle. To see who you are going to thank or worship with your first fruit. Tithing is a test. The word tithe means ten or tenth. And basically one penny on every dime. Everywhere you see ten, it's a test. Think about it. Here's these things in the Bible. There, are, there were ten plagues put on Egypt. There are ten commandments. God tested the Israelites in the wilderness ten times. Uh, Jacob's wages changed 10 times. Daniel was tested for 10 days. There were 10 virgins in Jesus' parable. Everywhere that you see the number 10 in the Bible, it deals with a test. Even in our tithing, God is testing us. It is a test of your faith. Malachi chapter 3. It's the only place that we can test God. He says, test me. See if I won't be faithful. If I tithe, I am blessed. If I don't tithe, I'm cursed. 
It's amazing the ways that people will argue on why they don't have to tithe. They say, well, Jesus bore the curse for me. A curse is simply a consequence for behavior. That's what it is. And they are right. But does that mean that I can do whatever I want? Jesus bore our sin, but have we sinned? Yes, Jesus bore our healing, but do we get sick? Yes, people say tithing was under the law, and we're no longer under the law. I'm under grace. Don't commit murder was under the law. Does that mean that we can now commit murder? Don't commit adultery was under the law. Does that mean that we can now commit adultery? Do we think that if we do these things that there are no consequences? God gives us these instructions on tithing to bless us. He doesn't want to take away from us. It's a lesson in obedience. And it is so important that you understand these two principles because they will help you to build trust in God. Stop living under a curse and come out from that curse and experience the blessed life that God has for you. Amen? Start giving. When you give, you create a heart that is grateful for a God that loves you and takes care of you. And when you let gratitude fill up your life and you learn to trust God, you begin to open your heart to be generous in every area of your life. So I want to encourage you this morning. Set a budget. Put tithing in the budget first. Start taking that step to put God first. Test God and see what he will do. He tells us to test him in this area. Start somewhere. Pick a percentage of your income to give. Set it up to happen automatically. If you're struggling with 10%, start somewhere. And if you're giving but not tithing 10%, can you grow your giving? Look at what you gave last year and figure out what percentage that is of your income and increase it. The beauty of a percentage is as your income grows, your giving increases. As God blesses you, you'll have more to give. But if you want to make generosity a part of your life, you must make it a priority, amen? And start with giving. Don't wait until you have more money. Can I tell you this? The more you make, the harder that money is going to be hard to give, harder to give away. There's truth to that. Well, I can't afford to do it now. If you can't afford to do it now, you ain't going to be able to afford to do it when you get more money. What level of generosity does God want you to go to i've got another i've got a series of messages that i preached and one of them i've preached i've talked about generosity growing in our giving taking those steps moving towards becoming all that god wants us to become god has so many great blessings just sitting there waiting for us how many times do we just miss out on those blessings because we skip this step I believe, and I truly believe, if you can get tithing right, everything else is going to fall into place. Do you, will you, is there still a chance that you might have a time where you're just wondering where something... Yeah, but you know what? Every time that I think in my physical mind, man, what are we going to do this week? God always comes through. I can't explain it. I can't 
lay out how he does it, A, B, and C. All I can tell you is that we still are faithful, even though it's tight, even though we're struggling, even in the midst of the worst economy that we've seen in years. We're still tithing, and he's still blessing. And I don't know where your finances are. I I don't have any idea. All I can tell you is what God's word says. And it's not because I need your money. God's going to bless me, okay? He already has, and he will continue to bless me. But I want you to be blessed. And when we take and we place that first of the first in his hands and say, God, we are going to trust you with our finances, then it's amazing just to see the blessings start coming in. I've said this and I've heard this all my life. You cannot outgive God. And people say, oh, that's a cliche. Well, believe it whatever you want. I'm telling you it's a true statement. You cannot outgive God. Try it. See what happens. But I just want to close with this, and I want you to understand these two principles are so important, okay? These two principles are so important. Understand the first should be first. If you, if you have $100, that's your income, take that first $10 and give it, and then live off the 90 and I promise you, you'll be able to live off that 90 better than you ever did off that 100 I promise you. Just try it. That's what, that's what God says. God says, try me, test me, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out so many blessings that you won't be able to obtain them all. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for coming here this morning. God, in this season of thankfulness, this season of gratitude, I come to you and I am so blessed. I'm so thankful. I worship you and I praise you and I give you glory. God, you said to test us, test you, and see if you will not open up the windows of heaven. And so, God, I'm asking you this morning, God, I pray that those that are, maybe they're in that decision of trying to figure out what they're going to do. I know it's scary. God, it's a big step. It's a scary step. Especially when you're living paycheck to paycheck and that budget's tighter than anything. Lord, I I understand that it's scary. But God, I pray for those that they would step out in faith and take that big gigantic leap and say, Lord, I'm placing this in your hands and I'm going to make you first in my life. I'm going to give you first place. And I lay all of this anxiety, I lay all of this worry, I lay everything at your feet. And I give it to you. And I give you praise. God, I pray for every person here that you would pour out blessings, God, as they begin to understand and fully know, God, everything it is about your money that you have given us to use. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to hear and see and do all that you have spoken to us to do. And God, that you would speak forth in the hearts and lives of every individual here. God, that we can step out in faith and know that you have the faith to do mighty things. And we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
I promise you this, and I can make this promise this morning. God loves you. Amen? God loves you. And I can tell you this, God only wants the best for you. God does not want to hurt you. God does not want to forsake you. He doesn't want to throw you out. No, and it, that's the cool thing about God. No matter what we've done, he always is there to accept us with open arms. And so I just want to, I just want to encourage you this week. I know we just came away from Thanksgiving, and here we are into starting the Christmas season. It's a season of giving. And, and can I tell you, there's something about Christmas. We already have that giving spirit. And some of you get you know, bonuses at your work. And this is a time. There may be somebody or something, some charity that God is placing upon your heart in addition to your tithe that God wants you to move in, your, in that faith to see and test who you are and what God wants to do in you. And I truly believe that. If you will pray and listen and ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? Who is it you want me to be? And I believe that you can become all that God wants you to be. Amen? Can we stand? I'm going to let y'all just sing whatever you want to sing. We're going to, I feel like I've prayed over the offering. Our ushers will be at the back. Can I just give you, uh, I already gave you the announcement. Don't forget next week, uh, the 4th. Um, Bring your uh, favorite soup of any kind or any kind of fixings that go with soup. Wear your ugliest sweater. And then um, you'll have a photo booth if you want to get uh, pictures made. And then also we have Christmas parties for both the men and women this year. Ladies, it's December 10th. 